You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. What's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. A little bit of a slower news day here. We're about to go around the league. But before we do, Shane, I just want to remind the listeners, I'm sure most people already know about this, but one of my favorite TV shows, they only air it during the season, at least with new episodes, called SEC Inside. They're on SEC Network. And we got a little promo here for the South Carolina one. Basically what this is, SEC Network follows around a team, you know, all week leading up to the game and during the game. And then the following week they put out just kind of like, I think it's 30 minutes recap of just that team's week. And they focused on South Carolina last week with Holinsky taking over and their big game there against Charleston Southern. But uh, we're not going to play this entire clip, Shane, but I really want to play Will Muschamp getting fired up. Jake Bentley talking about his coach's veins just bulging out of his neck when he gets upset. I just thought this was too good not to share. Let's go take charge of these guys. Let's go. Let's get them going. Let's go. We need to get better today. Step up. I'm trying to challenge you because I love you and I want you to do well, right? Anytime Coach Musham gets real angry, this vein inside of his neck starts bulging. There's like third down, we're in field goal range, and I didn't get rid of the ball in time. Took a sack. Jake, get rid of them. And you can just see it. Get rid of the damn ball! Jake, get rid of them. And you can just see it just popping. Rise up and make a play in there! Let's go! Rise up! All right, Shane, so it's pretty clear based on this video, Muschamp's, we already know it, kind of, Muschamp's not a guy that you want on your bad side. Absolutely not, man. There's only two things that matters, Mike, and that's winning and this football team. You know, I love my wife. I love my kids, but it's winning, football team, family. (laughs) (laughs) That's a football man right there, you know. I, I just, this is definitely, I think the, uh, the, if you watch this show, it will be the edited version. <laughs> oh yeah. Without a doubt. Maybe we'll get to a point one day, Shane, where we can get the uh, real unfiltered story. But until that time, we're going to have to get the, uh, the PG version, but uh, hell I'll take what I can get at this point. Absolutely, man. All right, Shane. So you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. Around the league. Around the league. 
we, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice so you just um you get used to it it's, it's a catchy tune right I mean. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um and you go back to it man this isn't a sanctioned fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so man it's time it's time to put on the hard hat launch bail let's get to work All right, Shane, we got a lot of news here in Lexington, so let's start there. And I wanted to fill in the listeners here on this Sawyer Smith, Shane. This is a guy, obviously, we've we've been hitting on him here lately because Terry Wilson's out for the season. Former Troy graduate transfer quarterback, going to get his first start as a Wildcat. He's already got seven starts for Troy. But this is going to be his first start this weekend. The huge home game for Kentucky. And they're hosting Florida. They're both these teams undefeated. Everyone's going to be picking Florida outside of Lexington. So I don't know that there's a lot of pressure on Kentucky to get this one. You know, I know I know the fans are going to be expecting a win. The team's expecting a win. But I think a lot of people on the outside looking at it are going to say, well, they're starting a new quarterback. They got no chance. I'll tell you what, Shane, I watched the old $2018 General Bowl before we hopped on here. <laughs> and old Sawyer Smith, Shane, he's, he was the starting quarterback for Troy in that game against a 10-win Buffalo team. And not a minute into this video of, of the game, Shane, he's throwing a 60-yard touchdown pass, and I don't even think it was his best throw of the day. I mean, he, he was on point for this one, and... Just watching him, I know it was just one game that I'm watching here, but I don't. I came away kind of blown away about. Uh, I I kind of see why these Kentucky fans are kind of fired up about this kid. You know what else I watched right before I got on here? The Dollar G highlights. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm right there with you. You know, there, a couple of things that really stood out to me wasn't so much. The, I mean, there were some beautiful passes that he had, but it was also some of that pocket awareness. You know. Uh, I was really worried about the mobil- mobility of this guy, you know, compared to Terry. But, you know, with the Nebraska highlights and now uh, this game against Buffalo, you know, a lot of people didn't realize, but Buffalo's a 10-win team last year. So, I mean, this wasn't a cupcake matchup, and it was Troy. You know, he's got a lot more talent around him up there in Kentucky. So, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm feeling some excitement coming from Lexington. Mm-hmm. Now, let's not underrate, though, the impact Terry Wilson's had on this team. And that's something that Mark Stoops hit on this week, talking about Kentucky's incredible record since Wilson has been the starting quarterback here in Lexington. This was a stat I was not familiar with. And then we also got a clip here from Terry Wilson himself, Shane, who called into Mark Stoops' radio show and talked up Sawyer Smith. Uh, so let's play these both these clips back-to-back here. It's a pretty strong statistic when you sit there and look at the fact that there's only one SEC team in the last 15 games that have won more games than us. So our players and, and coaches um, are used to winning. That's a good thing. It's, uh, that took a long time to change that culture and that mindset. But there's no guarantees. It's how you go about your business each and every day. So he's a, he's a laid-back guy. Um, you know, and, and 
he's really mature and he knows the game of football, you know, and I feel like he's going to be ready to go out there and, and, and he has to do. But, you know, in, in the film room, um, you know, we're all laid back, um, you know, and ready to learn and we're helping each other out. Um, and I've been teaching him things and he, he's taught me some things, but, you know, he, he's really a laid back guy and he, he, I feel like he's ready. He has that mentality to, to go win. Um, you know, as you've seen, like when he got in the game, you know, he, he threw two touchdowns. Um, so I feel like he, he has that winner mentality. All right, Shane, I just thought this was pretty interesting. I never can recall a current player calling into the coach's show to t- mm-hmm. talk up someone else on the team, but I think that just kind of speaks for the program that Mark Stoops has there and just uh, how tight that locker room is. And, you know, even if the guy that's injured is calling in and talking up the guy that's coming in in his place, I don't know. I just uh, it gives me a sense that this Kentucky team is fully on board moving forward, and I wouldn't imagine there's anyone in that locker room expecting the season to uh, go downhill now that their starting quarterback's been sidelined. No, man, this is a family. Kentucky's a family, and you know something we've talked about the offseason, and even up to this point, they still got that chip on their shoulder because nobody respects them. Uh, you know, having a 10-win season last year, nobody's talking about it near as much as they probably should be. And here you've got your quarterback going down, but then calling in and, and pumping up the backup. That's just that's just the kind of ball that Kentucky is. You know what I'm saying? So let me ask you, Mike, uh, with this transition now to Smith, do you think there's a drop-off? I mean, I think, honestly, like going into this game, I think it would be more detrimental if Franks was out than it is that Terry's not going to be there. What do you think? Yeah, I would tend to agree with that, but I have seen the stat. There's another one going out that's pretty interesting. I believe Florida currently, I don't know exactly how this measured out, but they basically have the best pass rush in the nation after two games, and I think that's just getting to the quarterback it's not not necessarily just sacks, but you know, forcing pressures and whatnot, and having mm-hmm. Terry Wilson's ability to break out of that and scramble, that would have been very valuable in this game. But I will say that I really think something that a lot of people, obviously not Kentucky people, but maybe people around the SEC, not considering going into this game. I don't think they're going to just ask Sawyer Smith to drop back 40, 50 times and, and just say, well, good luck dealing with this amazing <laughs> pass rush. I mean, the best way to combat a pass rush, Shane, is to run the ball. And that's yeah. that's what Kentucky can do. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this stat, Shane, but uh, pro football focus, they grade every player in the SEC after every game. They graded three of their offensive linemen as three of the top five offensive linemen in the SEC last week. So they're going to they're going to lean on that offensive line. They're going to lean on these running backs. And if they're if they're able to run on the ball on Florida, it's going to really negate that pass rush. So I'm not sure that uh, Sawyer Smith is just going to get swallowed up by this pass rush because I don't really think. He's going to have to make some plays in this game, but I don't think they're going to put it on his shoulders. I think they're going to put it on the on the round uh, on the ground game. I was kind of concerned going into the season about the offensive line, you know, with Bunchy not being there. Mm-hmm. This kind of plays into Stoops, you know, being that developmental coach, that developmental atmosphere that they have there, and it's, you know, it's 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 so cliche to say reload. 
But that's kind of what Kentucky does. I, it's just when you go from the ones to twos to Kentucky, there's not near as much drop-off as there are with other teams. Yeah, and this is something that we kind of hit on during the offseason, Shane. While Kentucky did have some losses on that offensive line, if you just go by you know the recruiting rankings, which is not always the best indicator to do, uh, this is a way more talented offensive line here at Kentucky. And this is the years and years of Mark Stoops steadily improving it. And this is where Kentucky's kind of thrived. They're getting linemen and on both sides of the ball and linebackers that they're fine prospects, you know, but they're not ones that Alabama and, and LSU are trying to land. But they don't – the difference at Kentucky is they're not putting them on the field as freshmen or sophomore. They're they're waiting until they're like redshirt juniors, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's, that's massive. So we're starting to see some of these, while they may be somewhat un, inexperienced, they're talented and they're upperclassmen. And it's already starting to gel up there in Kentucky, at least. That's what I've seen after two weeks. And I think that's going to be the key to this game more than anything is how this offensive line, if they can push Florida around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw Miami was able to run on the Gators. If they can do it, uh, Kentucky's got a real chance in this one. And if they do, upset Florida. Because that's where we're at right now. Florida's ranked better. So if they upset Florida, do you know who the maddest man in this entire country is going to be? Dan Mullen? Close. Gunner Hoke. Because <laughs> he, he left a perfect situation here, man. Knows the offense, went up there to back up uh, Fields and had an opportunity to take over this team. You know, we told him that he should have stuck around, but he did not listen to this pod, Mike. Mm-hmm. Final thing here on Kentucky Shays got some more good news for the Wildcats. Xavier Peters. He has been declared eligible for this season. This is a guy that transferred in from Florida State. He was an Under Armour All-American, and if you remember his story here, Shane, he's from Ohio, kind of near the Kentucky border. He's got an infant son, so that was part of his waiver process, wanted to be closer to his son, and that came through late on Tuesday. I I don't know if he's going to see the field here against Florida. It would be kind of – I mean, they may have been getting him ready because he's a very talented guy here, but I, d- I don't know if we'll see him. But moving forward, I think that's a huge boost to Mark Stoops' defense. Absolutely, man. Kentucky's pumped, man. All he's sending us tweets about how expensive tickets are up there in Lexington. You know, they're sold out. <laughs> and think about it. This time last year, Cash was up there at Walmart selling them, you know? <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina. Where the other big game here in the SEC, of course, Alabama hitting the road to South Carolina. And Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday, Shane. And much like Nick Saban, he was asked about this 2010 game. You're going to hear about it a thousand times before they actually kick off. But obviously Alabama lost to South Carolina in 2010. None of the same players Basically, none of the same staff, aside from Nick Saban, is about the only coach that's uh, that's still on staff that was at that game. But uh, Will Muschamp, I just thought his uh, response here was pretty great. Do you remember nine years ago, you guys were on by when you were at Texas and, and this game happened. Do you remember if you were watching Mighty Chance uh, that game? Mm-mm, no. I don't remember. How much of people just asked you about that? And it's how impressive much you knew we were on a bye week, though. We got the internet right here. That's, uh, that's pretty neat stuff. Yeah. Um, 
But how much does Nine that come years up? ago, I was supposed to remember on a Saturday what I was doing. <laughs> if it was a game, I probably could give you a rundown, but I, I can't on an off weekend. All right, Shane. So, Will Muschamp's impressed. This guy even knew the layout of the Longhorn schedule. This is this is a different approach to doing it. Unlike Nick Saban getting upset, <laughs> Will Muschamp just laughed it off. But, uh, again, yeah, how is he supposed to know what he was doing nine years ago on a, on his off Saturday? I do not know, but – this is something we're going to be hitting on. Uh, they're just going to keep bringing it up, I guess. They're, they're asking the players. I mean, they were asking South Carolina players this week. They're like, dude, I don't. I was in kindergarten. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Dude, I had to look it up. I was curious what, what Tennessee was doing that day. And we played Georgia, got smoked, had Derek Dooley as a coach. And A.J. Green just wrapped up a four-game suspension. So he came out and looked like a hero. So – I don't even remember that game. So I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, if, if he's – I'm obviously he wasn't a fan of South Carolina while he was down there at Texas. So he probably didn't remember this game either. So mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. Now sticking here with South Carolina, Shade, two things I wanted to hit on here because another you know topic that just gets discussed time and time again, it's not going to go away until it uh, finally happens, but Nick Saban undefeated against his former assistants. His record is now 16 and 0. I mean, that's that's incredibly impressive. But what you know, what happened with the Dooley eras got nothing to do with Muschamp's. Got nothing to do with Kirby Smart. But still, the stat <laughs> gets brought up every damn time. Uh, so here's Will Muschamp on. What's it going to finally take for one of his assistants to beat an Alabama coach, Nick, Nick Saban coached Alabama team? And then one thing, Shane, I think if South Carolina is going to get this done, Shane, one overlooked aspect, the Gamecock special teams, is something Nick Saban's kind of noted on. And uh, I just thought this was kind of an important message here that Muschamp had. None of Nick's former assistants have, have beaten him. Is it as simple as his teams are really good and it's hard to do, or is it – more to it than that no I think that uh you know it's more to it than that I, you know you got to beat Alabama and at the end of the day John they're not going to beat themselves they're, they're well coached they've got good players uh, but you've got to go beat Alabama you got to have an aggressive mindset when you go into the ball game you got to do the simple things really well in the game and you can't start trying to play out of what you normally do at the end of the day there's going to be four to six plays in this game that are going to determine the outcome of the game just like every other game we play and we've got to outwork this football team for 60 minutes and be in position in those four to six plays to win the game. And that's that's no different than any other game. And don't treat it any different than any other game. When Nick spoke yesterday, he was complimentary of your special teams units. He said it's probably the best collection of players on special teams they'll play all year. Where's your confidence in all of those units and how far it's come through four years? Oh, wow. It's, we've come a long way. At the end, of, when we first got here, it wasn't, you know, Starters didn't think they were supposed to play special teams. Now they've realized the importance of the vertical field position, the momentum of the game, changing the field position, uh, you know, how important that is. And you, you look on our punt team, Shy and JC are our gunners. It's two of our better football players on our team. Uh, you know, Brian Evers is our punt returner. You look at our starting kickoff team, they're all starters across the board. Uh, as far as those things are same with our punt team. So our guys understand the importance of, of teams and understand that there's, 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 a third of the game is is involved in special teams and the importance of that. And uh, Coleman Hutzler and Kyle Krantz do a fantastic job uh, with our players and preparing them for games. All right, Shane. So, <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, I think what he had to say here about beating Nick Saban's team, you kind of assume that. It's kind of what we were hitting on in the last episode. You just kind of have to go all out. you got to just be as aggressive as you can. That's not something that's necessarily Will Muschamp's strong suit. He's he's a very conservative coach, I would say, if I had Mm -hmm. to describe him. You think he takes his own advice in this weekend and just – I mean, even though they got a freshman quarterback out there – you think they they keep the game plan aggressive this weekend? You know, it's it's kind of funny because it feels like Muschamp has adjusted or molded, if you will. You know, you know when he first got up there in South Carolina, there was no way on God's green earth that I imagine Muschamp running an RPO up-tempo offense. You know what I'm saying? Because he's all about defense. You know, and that, that requires running. That requires chewing the clock up and keeping your guys fresh. So, He's he's done a 180, and this is a different style. This is a different ball club since the day he stepped on campus. So, um, yeah, I think he realizes. Okay, obviously he hasn't beat Saban. You know, I don't care how many unique ways they try to ask this question. No one has that was on under Saban at one point. So, what do you got to do? Something like what we talked about la- uh, on the last show, man. You got to be outside the box. You got to be aggressive. And if you shoot yourself in the foot, so what? Because if you don't take those shots or chances, Alabama is going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the special teams, Shane? Because obviously, oh, now, obviously now that- Alabama's oh, going to have a big advantage in a lot of aspects in this game. And that everyone's going to see him, you know, with Tua and these receivers. South Carolina's got, uh, you know, probably the deepest defense they've had under Muschamp, but still Alabama's going to have an advantage there on defense And when you're talking about depth and talent. When you're playing at home, when you're trying to upset, I know Alabama's not number one, but they might as well be. They're number two in the nation. If you're going to pull an upset like this, you know, the obvious things, turnovers, you can't turn the ball over. you got to try to get them at home. They got them at home. But where this game, I think the breaks need to really come and where South Carolina can have a real advantage and kind of overcome some of the, if you want to call it shortcomings, coming into this game is going to be mm-hmm. on special teams. And I think the Gamecocks, if, it, if they spring the upset, it's going to start with an outstanding special teams effort. You know where all this stems from, man? Bill Belichick. I know, go with me here. Do you remember when Gronk hurt his arm? And he was on an extra point, and everybody was like, what the hell is Gronk doing out there, you know? Mm-hmm. That's something he always does. He always has starters out there. So it didn't surprise me that Saban does it. And it doesn't surprise me that the coaches that worked under Saban do it because he realizes this is a third of the third of the game, special teams. And why put – because notoriously, you'd always have the backups in there, you know? And why? Because – one mistake on special teams can really win or lose a game. So I think this is, I honestly, I think this all goes back to the New England Patriots, man, or the Browns, you know, when he was with Saban. So mm-hmm. let me ask you on the special teams question here. I did not notice. Did Tua, was he on the field goal team? I didn't even, I didn't even think the look. Yeah. I mean, he's their primary holder he's there okay so one he's option. Probably, he's there. <laughs> i thought they would just be talking but no he's got two out there okay mm-hmm. yeah they're ready they're ready for some trick to a <laughs> field goal to plays i guess that's awesome all right shade so i didn't really want to talk about this topic because 
I just don't care about this stuff. But once Auburn kind of weighed in on it, I thought we had to talk about it. So we're already talking about South Carolina, Alabama. So let's uh, stick with the tide there. Uh, they came out here on, I believe it was late Monday evening. They issued a statement. I'm not going to read the statement because this was the point of that. But basically, they don't want to play at noon. They're tired of playing at noon. They're they're complaining that uh, in two weeks, Alabama hosting Southern Miss, once again, a noon kick game. Mm. Apparently, they've played a bunch of these noon games in September, and they're complaining that it's hot out. (laughs) Uh, Shane, thoughts on Alabama? I mean, my God, when you play New Mexico State, Southern Miss, I mean – should we really be feeling bad that Alabama's got to play a couple noon games? No, no, no. In fact, I made the joke that he's really upset because when this game ends, Miss Terry's going to take him out on the town, and that's what he's really trying to avoid. <laughs> he didn't want to go to that furniture store up there, you know, in Jasper and and uh, try that Mexican restaurant he always likes to eat at. He, di- he just wants to go home and go to bed, you know. So... <laughs> That's what, in my mind, that's what I'm thinking, you know? <laughs> well, this should tell, you know, there are people that think that the SEC, because it's uh, the offices there are in the state of Alabama, that they kind of bend to the will of the Crimson Tide. Let me tell you, Shane, if this was the Big 12 and Texas wanted something, they'd get it. If this mm-hmm. was the Pac-12 and USC wanted something, they'd get it. If this was the Big 10 and Ohio State or Michigan wanted something, they'd get it. But that's the beauty of the SEC, that's why Texas A&M jumped from the Big 12 because they were tired of being in a damn league where Texas gets to run it. Uh, the SEC is they're not going to bend to the will of, of Alabama on this topic, and uh, I, I credit them for doing it. I understand why Alabama does not want to play at noon on in September because the fans aren't happy. It's hot out, like you said. There's a lot of negatives to it, but, I mean, somebody's got to do it. And yeah. if – how many times has Alabama showcased at in the evening nationally? I mean, they've got to be far and away the, the number one in the SEC in the last 10 years. So it just seems kind of asinine for them to just kind of come out and release. Not only, you know, it's one thing to tell the SEC, hey, we're not too happy, but you release a statement to, to put it out there. I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I, I was just kind of blown away at how ridiculous that was. Mike, the SEC does bend, but – only if it's profitable. I mean, we talk about this uh, Auburn-Georgia scheduling situation, you know? Mm-hmm. This is something that they did adjust because enough were complaining, but it wasn't that they were going to lose money. It made sense financially because now they can space these games out and they can make a bigger deal of it. So when Nick comes out and he's saying, oh, man, I don't want to play at 12, they're not going to budge on that. The reason is because if you play a t- if you play the this Alabama game at seven, you're tying up an SEC network that could be, you know, another team that may draw more interest. So, and it's not against Alabama, you know what I'm saying? It's they're playing a, a cake team, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, and to be honest with you, Shane, I believe the real reason they're doing this because obviously Georgia and Notre Dame are playing at prime time, and I believe there's some there's some stipulation in the contract where they're not allowed to throw a conference game against that. So that's why the, that's why the SEC network has Arkansas versus San Jose state or whatever, whatever God awful game (laughs) they got there. That's, that's why they got it there. 
And I guess they could have slid Alabama in that spot because it is a non-conference game. But I don't know. You're just you're. They basically CBS wants all eyes on that Georgia Notre Dame game. They pay for that right. They get the first right to these games every week. They get to pick the number one game that they want. And I think if that's part of the contract they have with the SEC, that's just part of the contract, and the, and they got to live up to it. You know. Yeah, that's. I mean, whatever pays the bills, Mike. Now, so the whole reason we went into that spiel, Shane, we weren't going to bring it to it, but let's jump on down to Auburn. War damn eagle. When Gus Malzahn met with the media here on Tuesday, Shane, and man, yes, they're <laughs> playing Kent State. They're, they're a 35-point favorite, I think. This is not a very interesting week down there in Auburn. But Gus made it interesting, Shane, because he was not even asked about this. He just came out right at the start of his presser <laughs> yeah, he fired some shots here very subtly here at Alabama. Playing a very solid Kent State team, uh, 6 p.m. kick. Uh, personally, I wish it was at noon. We'd have more time to prepare for our next opponent. In regards to kickoff time, is that six-hour difference from noon to six? Uh, having that extra preparation time worth the challenge? Is that coming with playing in the heat in late September? That's a good question. <laughs> And your answer is? My answer, I wish we were playing at noon. All right, Shane, so Alabama don't want <laughs> noon games. Gus will take them, won't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will. <laughs> I have never – this is like tell the truth, man. You usually don't hear coaches saying stuff like this. So I'm not saying that you could sleep on Kent State, but, you know, be prepared, man, because if not, they're going to be bringing this press conference up all year long. Mm, yeah, I don't see it, Shane, but – I just love this. No, I love I, I love Gus Malzahn coming out and showing some personality because he does something he's not done in the past. And we've seen him in that opener against Oregon. He mm-hmm. he didn't play it safe. He threw it deep. You know, imagine if they would have thrown an interception there. I mean, his ass would be on the hotter of hot seats right now. But it's the exact opposite because they won it. And now he's out here kind of talking shit. I, I, I don't know. I love it. It's, it's almost like a new Malzahn because he knows he somehow survived last year and he's he's just playing with house money. He's got a little pep in his step, Mike. Can you see him <laughs> down there walking the halls with his leather jacket on? <laughs> Toothpick in his mouth, winking at the girls. <laughs> Speaking of having a pep in your step, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! <laughs> <laughs> Kirby Smart met with the media here on Tuesday. And again, the Bulldogs playing Arkansas State. They're a huge favorite here at home once again. Not a lot of revelations to come out of his most recent presser, Shane, but I thought this clip was too good not to share. He was asked about uh, some, you know, he was asked about the Texas situation there with LSU not having AC and if he's ever experienced anything quite like that. And uh, he he kind of opened up a little bit here. I thought uh, what Kirby had to say was pretty funny. Um, Texas, or excuse me, LSU was talking about not having air conditioning in a in a game locker room. Is that is that something that happens more commonly than, than we're aware of? Can you think of a situation where your team um, had an adverse situation in facilities on the road? Yeah, I mean, there's been some of the SEC facilities on the road. Y'all should go around and do a story on them because there's not very good. Uh, locker rooms on the SEC in the road. They're mostly the old 60s and 70s home locker rooms from stadium to stadium. And 
would be a nice little story some of the places that I've been to and the dungeons you've been in and they're not high quality and I'm not picking on other places because they're not very it's not very good here I've been in the visible one here they're not very nice and uh, that's just the way it is I mean we had to walk a two block at Vanderbilt because of a situation occurred so I mean things happen and you deal with it do you ever have you ever gotten the sense that some of the stuff that goes on in that way is a little bit of gamesmanship? I know like Iowa paints their locker room pink, stuff like that. I, I don't. I, I never thought of it that way. There was a, a couple of times we got stuck in a roadblock and couldn't get to the game on buses, and thought we were going to have to get out and walk on uh, I-85. But that <laughs> that frustrates you. There's not a lot you can do. Some things you can control. Some things you can't. Thanks. All right, Shane. So Kirby Smarts, he's he wants to see the story written. I'm sure this is being written right now. Now that now that he's <laughs> thrown it out there, but uh, the opposing locker rooms in the SEC, nothing to brag about. No, the Athletic's going to have this episode tomorrow, so <laughs> I'll just click on that and read about it. Because you know, we we'll go back to Mike Leach. He was talking about it, and I said, "There's just no way." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But then Coach coming out here, and the fact that. Ogeron knows, you know. I mean, he called down there. He called the uh, who was it? Ellis, uh, Louisiana. Louisiana Tech. Yeah, he called them because he knew something may be up. You know what I'm saying? And so these guys are used to sitting in some pretty bad uh, locker rooms, apparently. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this episode, and I hope it has pictures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Let's jump to the state of Mississippi. Where Matt Luke met with the media here recently, and uh, you know this is something. Of course, I've been very down on the Rebels. I think I've already been proved wrong a little bit here, especially with this defense. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we did try to you know pump up here in the off season was the fact that they had a big unknown at quarterback in Matt Corral, and there have been plenty of redshirt freshmen that have breakout seasons that really elevate their teams in the SEC. And after week one, it didn't look like Matt Corral was going to be that. But after week two, I know it was against Arkansas, Shane, but Matt Corral made some significant steps forward. And uh, I just thought this was kind of interesting. Matt Luke talking about his quarterback and the progressions he saw from week one to week two. Matt, can you just talk a little bit about the improvements you saw from Matt Corral from week one to what he did Saturday night and being named SEC Freshman of the Week? Yeah, I thought that was a great honor for Matt and a great job of bouncing back. Uh, He seemed much more comfortable, and the ball was going to the right spot. If you look at the quarterback as a point guard, the ball was going to the right spot a lot more times with chances to make plays and one-on-one and handing the ball off into the good looks and things like that, pulling it some. And obviously there's some things that we got to get corrected, but I thought the ball was going to the right, right place a lot of the time. But better? I did. I thought, uh, I thought his comfort level was good. The ball was coming out to the right spots, and some guys made some plays. Saw Elijah make some plays. Saw Drummond make some plays. I got the ball on the perimeter you know, to Ely a couple times. So I, I, thought the, I thought for the most part it was good. All right, Shane. So it's not just the defense there at Ole Miss that's been impressive. It's been Matt Corral in this mm-hmm. week two game. Specifically, yes, he made the one mistake. He had a real bad fumble, but he bounced right back from it. And if he continues to progress, I mean, this is still a feeling out prog- uh, process for Rich Rodriguez and his system and Matt Corral. So it's 
for as many moving parts as they have, I think overall they've been pretty good on, especially on that uh, in the running game. If they can get Matt Corral going more and more in the passing game as the season comes along, I think there's an outstanding chance Ole Miss does go to a bowl game this year, and that's not something I would have said a week ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what Shane said in the off season, but here we are, Mike. You know, I the one thing that I I, I noticed going into week two. Something that we hit on going into that game was they're going to have to come out with something. Rich Rod's going to have to come out here with uh, maybe a little bit more conservative play calling, you know. Get him comfortable because once he got comfortable in that Memphis game, Mm -hmm. he did a lot better. And then you got to see that going into week two. So I really like the the adjustments that Rich Rod made for his quarterback uh, against Arkansas there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important, and that's that's why you hire these experienced coordinators that have been in this situation before, uh, because they can help a young quarterback grow in the season. I mean, it's very hard. Everything's being thrown at him that he's never had before. So this is just something we're going to have to monitor the rest of the year, because I think uh, as far Ole Miss will go as far as Matt Corral can take them. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump to Starkville, where Mississippi State... Joe Moorhead met with the media here recently, and he didn't have a ton to say, Shane, but I just wanted to throw in this little comment because I thought it was pretty awesome on how difficult it has become for defenses to tackle the SEC's leading rusher, Kylan Hill. And I particularly wanted to just use this clip, Shane, because I was unaware that Joe Moorhead was an NCAA football fan I mean, he's, he's breaking down the buttons here, Shane. He knows what he's talking about. I don't maybe think low and go high, huh? I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend that either because the problem with going high is he's built like a tank. And if you d- decide to tackle him above the waist, there's a pretty good chance you're going to you make it trucked. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, what are you going to do to get him on the ground? Uh, so what, what button is it? His hurdle? Is that R1, L1? Oh, triangle? Okay, I've, I've lost my touch a little bit. So he'll continue to hit the triangle button and hurdle him, and then whatever the truck stick one is, what's that? See, Brian knows. Yeah, maybe he'll do that one too. So we'll, we'll combine those. So he'll keep he'll keep triangle button and then toggle. Maybe do a little bit of both. All right, Chase. So you kind of nailed this one in a recent podcast. Kylan Hill, there's a, there's a good chance by the end of the season he's the SEC's number one running back. He's already leading the league in rushing. Seems like Shane's on a bit of a hot hot streak here, but uh, I mean these defenses are finding out how difficult it is to tackle Kylan Hill. I believe he rushed for over 200 yards against Kansas State last year, and mm-hmm. obviously that'd be a lot expecting him to do that once again this year. But heading into Saturday's game, I mean the way he's been running, it's told it's not out of the question that he does that once again, is it? No, not at all, man. I mean, this kid is legit, and and it's just a shame not not a lot of people have gotten to see him. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not doing anything today, just just type in Hill highlights, and, and you'll be amazed at what this kid's doing down there, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Now, final thing here on Mississippi State, Shane wanted to add this note. In addition to Kylan Hill, they just got some added depth there in the running back room because running back Kareem Walker has been cleared by the NCAA. It seems like it's just clearing time by the NCAA. I don't know why they waited for the season to start to start clearing these guys, but they have. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kareem Walker is a former four-star recruit, played at Michigan. 
So that just another boost here for Mississippi State. And I think this is one, once again, where you may not see Walker on the field this week. But once we get into SEC play, you can't just lean on one running back. We know that. So they're going to need that depth. They're going to need Walker to help Hill carry that load. And uh, just some more good news here for the Bulldogs. That's what they need, buddy. A little depth, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, have you heard anything from Tommy? Yeah, still day-to-day, apparently. I think this is probably one where I think he's going to be fine to play, but yeah. they may not be in a rush to let old Kansas State know that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just surprise Bill Snyder. You know? Wait, no, he's not up there anymore, is he? <laughs> who's up there now? Who's their, who's their coach now? I think they have some uh, a coach that used to coach North Dakota State or something like that. Okay, it don't matter. It's not Bill Snyder. I forgot he wasn't up there. That sucks. That would have been good. Surprise old Bill out there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shane, I think that's a good note to go out on here. I don't got anything else before we jump off here. Do you? Uh, No. A couple things, though. Tomorrow we are going to do some mailbag questions. We've got a few lined up. So if you've got any questions you'd like me or Mike to answer, just be sure to get on our uh, Reddit page, that SEC podcast, or you can tweet at us at that SEC podcast as well. A couple of people asking about uh, the MyBookie promo code. Remember, that is that SEC, as T H A T S E C is the promo code. They'll match up to $1,000 of your first deposit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get into that, uh, some more gambling talk later in the week. Uh, also ratings and reviews. We're going to do those tomorrow as well. So tomorrow's show will be loaded. Uh, you know, the saga of the Pickneys, is that their names? <laughs> Continues. <laughs> uh, we, we're going to find, we, we got Ollie up there in Kentucky trying to track them down. But uh, if you did, if you do have an iPhone or if you're near a, a store that has an iPhone, jump in there, steal an iPhone, give a rate and review. Uh, those really do help us out. Uh, appreciate all the hustle, all the fans here. Yes, sir. We really do appreciate all the support from the fans. So, Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, thank you, Shane, for joining me. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>